Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of Points and Penalties, Halloween special today. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts Peter and Jesse. Kevin's away today. So, Jesse, we'll start with you. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking McKinnon Brothers Brewing. It's called Eight Man English Pale Ale. It is an 8.5%, so somewhat good. That's the heat. <laughs> I guess when Kevin's not here, it is, right? <laughs> I mean, you weren't festive, but you brought the alcohol content. No, no. I didn't see anything at the lake boat today, so it's kind of weird. But Peter, what festive beer are you having? Well, I am having myself a high baller pumpkin ale from Grand River Brewing. It's, uh, it's 5.2%. Uh, a little bit pumpkin-y. I don't think I'll be having it again after this. <laughs> but, you know, to be festive, might as well go with some, uh, some pumpkin beer. Josh, what are you drinking? Well, I also be- decided to go festive, and I also got a pumpkin ale. This one is from Great Lakes Brewing. Uh, it's brewed with pumpkin and spices, and uh, like yours, Pete, it has a little bit of a pumpkin flavor to it. It's not too bad. I'm not much of a pumpkin spice kind of guy. I don't do that whole uh, Starbucks bullshit and and whatnot. But because I was festive, wanted to be festive, I went with this uh, pumpkin ale. And it's not too shabby, 5.5. So I'm right in the middle today. Pete, you're the bitch, just in case you didn't know. No, I knew. I knew. And and yeah, so so far, so good. Um, Like I said, Pete, this wouldn't be uh, on my radar every week. But uh, for fall beers and being festive, I would uh, I would have it again for that. Uh, it's it's not too bad, not too bad at all. All right, guys, got a big week this week. A lot of stuff to talk about. First and foremost, I want to start off with some Blue Jay news. Blue Jays are a bunch of Blue Jays have been named uh, for many different. Uh, awards so they are been nominated and are finalists for a handful of silver, silver sluggers uh, gold glovers uh, etc so to start us off here so silver slugger finalists we've got Vladdy Guerrero Jr. for first base Marcus Semyon for second base Boba Shed at shortstop Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Goriel Jr. both in the outfield uh, my guess is that Guerrero Semyon win uh, for the silver slugger. I don't think Bichette will. I think, uh, I think either Xander Bogarts or a guy like Carlos Correa will have a step up on, uh, on bowl here. Uh, and then for the outfield, I believe they give three different, uh, three different uh, winners. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of these guys, probably take Oscar as he had uh, a bunch of RBIs. Uh, this is this is great. I don't know when the last time the Blue Jays had five uh, Silver Slugger finalists out of nine or ten. No, I guess nine. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so that's that's pretty crazy. I like it. I like it, and uh, hopefully, I mean, all these guys except for uh, Semyon are under contract for next year. So yeah, I could definitely see what you, exactly what you said. Who's going to get? I don't think Bichette will get it. No. But. But uh, Hernandez probably will. Guerrero probably won't. I'll, and then Guerrero and Simeon. Mm-hmm. 
So, and this obviously the silver slugger is for, you know, basically top end offensive uh, production out of each position. And then carrying on with uh, Blue Jays and finalists, they are, we have three finalists in the gold glove section. Uh, so you have Marcus Semyon at two big, you have Gurriel Jr. at left field, and then you got Jose Barrios at pitching, and he, his numbers obviously come from both the Twins and from the Jays. Um, <clears throat> this one here, I'm not sure about Semyon, but I'm going to say that Gurriel gets one, and I, I think that's going to be based a lot on his outfield assists. He had a bunch this year. He was his arm was just a rocket all year long. He's dead nuts accurate, and I think that's going to be. Uh, I know it's you know it's more more based on fielding percentage, but I, I have a feeling that's going to weigh in uh, for these uh, these Rawlings voters. Gurley well, doesn't play a lot of right field. Doesn't play any right field. He plays left field. Yeah, well, I'm sure he, he moves over there once in a while, but it's usually Randall. And and De Oscar, that's over there, right? If Springer's in the lineup, but I just if he has such a good arm, you'd think he'd rotate to the right field here and there. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean he does have a lightning arm. I I don't know why they uh, why they don't put him over there, but maybe. Well, we know that Te Oscar can play left field, so it's not like there's an issue there. If the other guys can't play left, so yeah, just typically like. The guy with the best arm usually plays right field. Yeah. But maybe he's just more comfortable in left. Who knows? Well, and he was an infielder too, right? Remember, yep. he, was, yep. he was a second baseman um, that moved around and I, I guess was probably last year they started moving him out into left field part-time type thing. And this year is pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, his first year, pretty much full-time outfielder. So, Well, he can pretty much play anywhere because he's yeah. great defensively. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing uh, for the Jays here is the player choice awards. So the MLB players have voted Robbie Ray as a 2021 American league outstanding pitcher. And they've also voted Marcus Semyon as the Marvin Miller man of the year. Uh, the pitching for Robbie Ray does not surprise me one bit. He was awesome. He led the league in strikeouts. And that makes total sense to me, especially because he was, he wasn't supposed to be the best pitcher in the AL not even close and he was right up there yeah not even on the Blue Jays yeah exactly and him and his tight pants <laughs> they, they just you know they squeezed every bit of uh, goodness out of baseball he could this year and uh so good for all of his circulation just so <laughs> yeah. yeah it was all in his arm yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, good for these guys to be uh, voted by the players. And I think a lot of times when you win a player's choice award, it means a little more than, than winning one that the, that the media uh, vote you in on, because these are your peers, right? These are, you know, the guys that you play against every day or play with, and they are recognizing you for being a superstar um, in one way or another. So, so good for all these uh, finalists and the uh, silver slugger and the gold glovers. And these player choice awards, I'm sure uh, in the next coming weeks we'll have, uh, you know, who actually won the silver slugger and the gold gloves. But uh, as for now, we got to sit and wait and hope that our boys win. Yep. I think uh, with these awards that Marcus Semyon is either winning or his finalist on might win. And his changing of his agent to uh, Scott Boras. 
My crystal ball tells me it's uh, it's not looking great for him coming back as a Blue Jay next year. No, I don't think so either. It sucks, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, he had a great year, one-year contract. Usually guys, when they're on their last year, play their fucking hearts out yeah. to get some extra money. And he's definitely going for that money by uh, by signing with uh, Boris there. And that guy can get players money. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what he, where he goes. Um, you know, he's going to want a longer term contract and he's not a spring chicken. So it could be one of those things where it's going to be an, you know, an exorbitant amount of money for the contract and it just might not be worth, uh, for the Jays, you know, to keep him around for that kind of money when you have a guy that's going to be, you know, well, well into his thirties. And then you've got all these other young guys that to me, it kind of, yeah, he's obviously going to help, but it might be better off with the amount of fire amount of firepower we already have to maybe just let him go. Maybe, I don't know if you get a, I guess you wouldn't get a real five because I think he's unrestricted. Uh, and maybe, maybe a guy like Biggio comes back and actually starts playing ball again. Yeah. I think that's who fills that hole. And then uh, you figure out third base. Oh, Santiago. Or yes. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Groshans for sure in the near future, but Santiago yeah. for now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Santiago needs a better stick, but I'll take his defense over the stick right now when you have all that other uh, offense. He, he, he was pretty good in limited time uh, at the plate. He had a pretty decent average. He's just not horrible. Time. Just not a regular third baseman's right. power. Exactly. Exactly. So there was also a couple other awards handed out this week. Uh, Shohei Otani, surprise, surprise, was given the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award. Obviously, for what he did this year, being a pitcher and a batter in many games, um, and he was just—he was good at everything he did. You know, he wasn't the best pitcher, but he was very good over over the whole season. When you take all the, you know, the entire season together, uh, he was—he was pretty damn good. And then, likewise, on the offensive side, you know, he was leading a lot this year for with the home runs for you know probably three quarters of the year he was leading. Yep. Plus all his steals. Yeah. Hell of a player. Lots of strikeouts. mm -hmm. And so that makes sense that he was given this uh, historic achievement award and he's only the 16th recipient of it. So it definitely doesn't go down. It doesn't go out to somebody every year, which is, is cool because most awards do. So it's kind of cool that this one is, it's kind of held back for these, you know, real major, uh, achievements type thing and, and obviously this is we haven't seen this in, in 100 years so yeah yeah I, I read that the like the main reason he was given this award was because he was the first two-way all-star in the history of the game first mm-hmm. all-star player to start as pitcher and uh, mm-hmm. uh and better yeah just one more one more pat on the back for Shohei we've uh, we've talked about him a lot this year and for good reason Congrats to him on uh, winning this achievement award. And another great player, old man Nelson Cruz, is the winner of the 2021 Roberto Clemente Award. So thanks to his charitable work in his native Dominican Republic, Cruz is the 50th winner of the prestigious honor, and he helps a lot uh, in Dominican, getting kids to you know learn how to play baseball and supply uh, equipment and so on and so forth. And 
this is a quite the prestigious award. A lot of, a lot of the players are kind of, you know, when they do their charitable work, I mean, I'm sure it's not to win this, but this is a very uh, high end award. It's like the NFL man of the year award. It's, it's, you know, just as, as uh, prestigious as getting an MVP type thing. Uh, maybe not quite, but just about because it's all about working within your, your community, or in this case, his, uh, his home Dominican and, and trying to, uh, to get kids to, to get more into baseball and to help out the kids that can't uh, based on uh, whatever struggles they may have. So. Do you think he's coming back next year? He's 41. It's hard to say, like, is he under contract with Tampa still or, or was it? I honestly don't know. I just, I just yeah. figured it was like, he's just doing one year deals is what I kind of thought, but I, I have no idea, but I, it'd be interesting. Like he's still had pretty solid numbers this year. So I think if I, he can get, get onto another top end team that I think, yeah, he'll come back. But if, if Oh yeah. He'll, he'll take pennies to be on a good team. Right. But if he's got to go to a Baltimore, then no, I don't think he's going to play, you know, cause why, why bother when you're going to fucking lose a hundred games out of the year. Right. He's definitely playing in the AL. Oh yeah, he's he's definitely a DH, and he might play a little bit of outfield when they when they do uh, the cross league games type thing. But maybe, but he'll probably just be on the bench. <laughs> he might be a pinch hitter at that pinch point. hitter. Yeah, exactly. So okay, so we're gonna get rolling in here a little bit closer to the World Series. I know I'm not sure if it was last week or the week prior. We talked about Dusty Baker. Uh, just. I was just so uh, enthralled about it. So I, I looked in, into him a little more. And so after winning the ALCS, he has become just the ninth manager to win both the AL and the NL pennant, which uh, over that many years, you know, like hundreds, hundred years of baseball, that's the, just nine guys have done it. Yeah. And a lot of, te- he go, he's been to a lot of teams, but managers get passed around the league a lot. Yeah, so he's the only manager to reach a postseason with five different teams, and he's got with those five teams, he's got eleven postseason appearances. So this guy knows what he's doing. You know, he's uh, he's, he's pretty good that way. He's won uh, the NL Manager of the Year three times out of his uh, twenty-four seasons as a manager, and he has a career record of nineteen hundred eighty-seven wins and seventeen hundred and thirty-four losses, which is five thirty-four. So. Not too shabby, especially for baseball. If you're anywhere just over 500, that's pretty fucking good. Um, and that that 1987 wins is the most wins without a World Series title by any manager. Don't have to wait until next year, too, now. <laughs> yeah, you might have to, unless they offense really kicks Take in. it from me and believe it. A 3-1 lead in a seven-game series is not safe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, shit. Well, and it's also Atlanta too who has a lot of experience blowing leads. So they're they're <laughs> kind of like the Leafs. <laughs> shit, fucking two zingers there. <laughs> so Dusty Baker, he also uh played 19 seasons as a player. He was a teammate of Hank Aaron in between 68 and 74, and he was a World Series champ in 1981. And so this is kind of a cool little thing here. As you see how the uh, MLB, what comes around, goes around type thing. So Baker made his ML debut with the Braves in 1968 in a game versus the Astros. And now he's managing the Astros in a World Series bid against the Braves. And you can just see how it comes 
comes all the way around. And like you said, Jess, he's in tough right now. They're down three, one to the Braves and it's uh it's going to be a tough one. So, but well, talking about that three, one world series, let's get right into it. Just want to uh, highlight a few things through each game here. So game one, Jorge Soler became the first MLB player ever to hit a home run in the first at bat of the world series. So I think it was the fourth pitch of the, uh, of the game. And he smashed one out. Yeah. Took, took the early lead. Uh, this game was the starter was Charlie Morton for the Atlanta Braves. He took a ball off the shin, uh, finished the inning, and he ended up going back into the clubhouse. He, we, it kind of looked like he was going to be done. And then next thing you know, he was coming out for, for the, uh, the next inning. He got through his, his inning. He got three outs two of which were strikeouts. One was a Jose Altuve uh, backwards K, so he was caught looking. And then it turns out that Charlie Morton has a broken right fibula. So this guy pitched <laughs> in the World Series on a broken fucking leg and got one of the best fucking postseason hitters of all time out looking yep. on a busted-ass leg. That's fucking tough, man. Like, that is tough. I wonder how much I, – I didn't see – uh, the last inning or so when he had that broken leg, what his uh, miles per hours were at that point, if they had dipped a bit. I'm sure that they did because every time he comes down on that leg, was, I think it might have been his, was his back leg. Uh, so maybe it was. You would it, think it would have to be his back leg because it was his plant yeah, leg. He, it would have been, he would just fallen over. Yeah, I think it was his back leg. Yeah. So pretty crazy though. Like, you know, the all the, the, uh, commentators are like, oh, it looks like he's done. And I'm like, what the fuck? The guy's on fire. Like he's only throwing 30 pitches or whatever it was at the time. I'm losing my shit on the TV. I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> what are you doing? And then he comes back out and then he like gets those outs and he's like, I'm done. Can't do it anymore. It's too, uh, too tough on my leg. And so it sucks that he's out for the rest of the world series. Cause he is a massive part of their pitching staff. Uh, but tonight might be the last game so they won't might not need him anymore anyway so so the braves did end up winning that first game six to two in game two it was um went more the astros way jose altuve hit a leadoff double and then he hit a home run i believe in the seventh inning uh your quitty for uh houston was very solid on the hump. He got his second career postseason victory with uh, with his five innings pitched. And then a call-up, Jose Siri, who made his MLB de- debut on September 3rd, beats out an infield single to score Kyle Tucker. With the hit, Siri becomes the first player to debut in September or later and drive in a run in that year's World Series. And the, my understanding from what I've heard is that they brought him up basically for his energy and and that type of thing i mean obviously he's gonna be a half decent player his energy was he a cheerleader pretty much yeah <laughs> he's he's one of those guys that's uh you know always positive and is trying to do whatever he can to get the team pumped up and that type of thing so um and i mean legging out an infield single is uh, is a good way to do it that's going to get everybody fired up so didn't so work it, well it worked <laughs> for that game yeah, that's about it. They had to so, make a pitch hit again or something. <laughs> yeah. So the Strohs ended up winning game two, seven to two. 
Game three. Now, this was all pitching. All Braves pitching. Rookie right-hander Ian Anderson and the Braves bullpen. Or something else, as we will get into a little later. Had a no-hit bid going into the eighth inning. Uh, They ended the game with a two-hitter. So Anderson ended up five innings pitched, zero hit, zero runs, three walks, and four strikeouts. He becomes the first rookie with five no-hit innings in a World Series game since 1912. Yeah, my boy. He's on my fantasy team. I got actually a lot of Atlanta players on my fantasy team. <laughs> Is that why but you picked them to win? <laughs> no, a lot of it was done at the trade deadline. They all yeah. went over to Atlanta. Mm. That's right, because you had Solaire, and I remember that he was KC, and then Eddie Rosario. I have, and he's been ripping it up. Uh, I used to have Yock Peterson, but I dropped him this year. But he's been doing pretty good, and Uh, he only does good in October. Yeah, he's pretty. (laughs) He's pretty garbage during the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So Ian Anderson has the second lowest career postseason ERA since ERA was an official stat in 1912. So we need a minimum of seven starts. Anderson is number two with a 1.26 ERA. Just had a Steven Strasburg, 1.46 ERA. And the leader is the late great Sandy Koufax at a 0.95 ERA. And that's pretty it, good. Impressive. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's that's all this year. You know, he's a rookie. So this is his first postseason. And challenge. He was in the postseason last year. He didn't have. He was. He's still considered a rookie this year, but he, yeah, he didn't have enough uh, innings to not be a, a rookie. But I'm hmm. pretty sure he pitched in the postseason last year. Okay. All right, that's fine. Anyway, uh, Austin Riley. I, I don't know if it's right. We gotta still wait. But yeah, I'm we'll pretty sure. It up. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so Austin Riley and Travis Darno drove in the two runs needed to beat the Astros two nothing in Game Three, and Game Three winners have won have gone on to win the best of seven series when it's tied one one 66 out of 96 times or 69 percent so it's definitely looking good for uh the atl braves moving on to game four danzy swanson and jorge soler combined for back-to-back jacks in the seventh inning to take the lead from houston uh last night that being saturday and the braves are now seven and oh this postseason at home in their home field in Atlanta. So the Braves win game four, three to two. They are up three, one in the series and game five starts very shortly. Uh, it's just about eight 15 now uh, on Sunday evening and uh, game five should be starting. And um, I mean, being seven and all, there's a good chance that uh, they go eight and all at home and they win this whole thing tonight. Yep. I would, I would think they have a pretty good chance here. Oh, uh, if they lose tonight and they go back to uh to Houston, if I think if they lose tonight, it's going to go seven. That's what I think. Because I think the next game back in Houston, the next two would be back in Houston. So the first one, I think that crowd is going to be fucking insane for Game Six, and I think the momentum will be. In Houston's favor, winning game five, I think they would probably win game six. And then who knows for game seven, it would be be a crapshoot. Your guess would be good as mine at that point, but. Pretty crazy. Uh, I called this at the beginning of the year, but I definitely gave up on when Acuna went down. So I honestly 
I think you got to hand this to the GM for making all these trades at the deadline to get them where they are right now. Even even in the playoffs here, when I started, I thought I was a big fan of the San Fran Giants. They didn't work, and as soon as they went out, I would I hopped right back on the Atlanta. But still, it's uh, feels good to be right there, <laughs> abandoning it. But <laughs> I should have just trusted my gut, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you have to. So the last portion we have for uh, our bracket is basically we could find out tonight uh, if the Braves win, then Kevin is going to win the bracket challenge. Uh, but Jesse, you will also gain a point based on the preseason picks of the Braves. Uh, if the Braves end up losing this World Series, then Jesse, you and Kevin will tie for the bracket uh, with four points, but you won't get the preseason point either. Right. So, so you want the Braves to win because <laughs> then you'll get two points as opposed to one point. Yep. Anyway, that's it for, uh, for the baseball. I'm pretty excited for tonight's game. I'm going to be flipping as we're, as we're doing the podcast here, I got the old TV on. I'm going to be flipping between the, uh, the Dakless Cowboys uh, Vikings game and and uh, the ball game so be uh should be a good good night so if i'm if you guys ask me a question i'm off in la la land probably <laughs> watching tv <laughs> uh did anybody come up with the uh challenge answer or did nobody look i didn't look i thought peter was looking i've been looking it looks to me like very much like he played last year i'm just looking for something extremely definitive that says like in 2020 he did this yeah but it looks very much like he did play in okay. in the twenty twenty postseason. Fair enough. Well, we uh, well we confirm that. Jess, why don't you uh, get us going with some NFL? All right. So we'll go back to Sunday night, week seven. It was the Colts versus the 49ers in a rain-soaked field in San Fran. Wentz ended up coming out on top, thirty to eighteen. He has been looking pretty good this season up until this week, actually. <laughs> but he's been doing pretty good for my hot take that I think he was, was going to be better than Phillip Rivers, but the team itself isn't doing that good. Uh, in that game, Michael Pittman had quite a big game. He had like two pass interference calls that got him in the red – or not maybe not in the red zone, but like a lot of yardage on two of them. And then he had 105 yards receiving. And that was 105 yards out of Wentz's 150 yards in the, uh, in that game. And it's been confirmed. He hundred percent played in the postseason, So that is yeah. point sneezy. Only three games though. Hey man. He just had a fucking pitch. Just, just throw the ball. It didn't matter if he got, if he <laughs> had like a crazy ERA. <laughs> no, he was pretty good actually. He was. Uh, he pitched in the wild card and a wild card in the NLDS last year. Won both of those games, and uh, had a zero ERA for those two games. And then he lost in the NLCS against the Dodgers. Oh, he actually played. Says he had two games started for one game. That makes no sense. But anyway, uh, he was 0-0, so no decision there. 
but had a 2.57 ERA in that game. So and that probably accumulates to his 1.26 and this year from for yeah. the best rookie. But yep, so I was wrong. Boo. Boo, Jesse, boo. Extend boo. that lead. Boo. So Wentz in this game also had three touchdowns, two passing, one rushing. Jonathan Taylor had a monster game. The running backs obviously had big games in this because they were just handing it off because it was a hurricane that they were playing in. Jonathan Taylor had 107 yards and one TD, and Elijah Mitchell had 107 yards and one TD. And Peter lost his pick on that, so that was that, that was good too. Uh, Monday night football was also pretty rain soaked as well. It was a little bit more boring. It was the Saints versus the Seahawks, and the Saints ended up winning thirteen to ten. And it was it was still a pretty close game, but it was still boring just because of how low scoring it was. Uh, their new kicker, the Saints, kicked a 33-yard field goal with a minute 56 remaining in his NFL debut. And the biggest play, and he's on my fantasy team, so I got to give him a shout-out. Metcalf had an 84-yard touchdown in the first quarter. He And he didn't see many targets in that game. I don't know why Geno Smith wasn't throwing him the ball. He had a big game this week, but it was against the Jags. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, Lockett had a big game too. So <laughs> it's uh, pretty much just because it was against the Jags. That's why I took the Shithawks in my last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. They were my second choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't gonna pick. I picked the Seahawks once already. I'm not doing that again this year. Uh, Kamara had a big game. He finished with 10 catches for 128 yards, and he had a 13 T. The reception in this, he also added 51 yards rushing. It was quite the defensive game. But the Saints came out on top and the Seahawks lost, which I was pretty happy about again. So some trades that happened this week. Mark Ingram signs a one-year extension worth $2.8 million before being traded back to the Saints. <clears throat> uh, Houston will receive a 2024 seventh-round pick, so he pretty much went for nothing. And I believe the extension just helps out the Saints because they got a lot, they're right up against the cap and it just helps for next year. So he's signed through next year as well, but most of it's on next year's cap hit. And one other neat thing about him is he ranks second in the franchise all time rushing list, just 89 yards behind Deuce McAllister. So he'll probably pass that this year. Dude, <laughs> he'll probably pass that at some point, some point this year. Uh, I don't think he did it today. And then New York Jets brought back Wacko Joe Flacco. <laughs> do you mean Joe you mean Joe Flanco? Joe Flanco. <laughs> Inside uh, joke. Inside jokes. <laughs> Jets send a, a six-round pick for 2022. And it's a conditional pick at this point. It could be a fifth round pick based off playing time for Flanco, aka Flacco. But what have, with what happened today with the Jets beating Cincinnati, I don't think they're going to be turning to him anytime soon because the guy had quite the game, Mike White. Solid game. Yeah, for sure. And then this one puzzled me as a Rams fan. 
the Denver Broncos and Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams agreed to trade for linebacker Kenny Young. I thought he was by far our best linebacker. They say it was for financial reasons that they traded him. They traded him and a seventh-round pick in 2024, so ways away for a sixth-round pick. And it saves the Rams about $1.3 million in cap space. So they had just restructured Rob Havenstein, I believe, as well. And so I'm thinking they're trying to make a big trade right at the deadline here, uh, which is November 2nd this week. But nothing's happened of that, although there is a disgruntled wide receiver there in L.A., Deshaun Jackson wants out now, which mind-boggling. The Rams are 7-1, and he wants to get off this team because he's frustrated with his playing time. I believe a lot of it has to come down to because he signed a, a fairly large contract for the Rams, but most of it's incentive, and it has a lot to do with uh, snap counts. So he's not getting enough snap counts, so he isn't getting paid. So I think that's what's coming into this, but – Stop throwing got, the ball to Cooper Cup, man. Why would you though? <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> or for sorry, foreshadowing, I guess at that point. <laughs> but uh, so Jackson this year has only eight catches, but he does have 221 yards with those eight catches. That turns out uh 27.6 yards per reception, which is huge. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. And he's he's always been that deep threat. He's had a very large average, not this large, obviously, but he only's had 15 targets this year. But if he wants to go, Sean McVay doesn't seem a problem with it. They got Van Jefferson, who's been stepping up. He had a big game today, although I think he got hurt. So we might need him still, so we might not trade him. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but. At this point, I really don't care. If he wants to leave, he can leave. We'll figure a way out. Like you said, Yosh, we've got Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah, and Bobby Woods. He had a pretty big game, too, today. Yeah, he did. Uh, so Thursday night, big, big game. It was the Packers versus Ooh. the Cardinals. I was happy what happened. The Packers ended up winning 24-21 which takes the Cardinals from being undefeated to having a, a, a loss, which helps me out my team, my division. Josh, I know you hate the Packers, but this is a pretty impressive game. Like for the Packers defense, I thought as A-Rod was missing his top three wideouts, a couple on the COVID list. And I think uh, Marcus Valdez Gantling was hurt, but he had his, Old boy, Randall Cobb. And he didn't do much besides catch a couple touchdowns. And they're, they're, they're well thrown and, and they're not the easiest catches. But the main show was the running backs in this game for A-Rod, or for the Packers. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for 188 yards from scrimmage. And Aaron Jones ended up being the leading receiver for Green Bay with 51 yards. So in this game, I believe Aaron Rodgers had less than 100 yards at the half, and they were still winning. So that just shows you how great that Green Bay defense was against one of the best offenses in the NFL right now with Kyle Murray and all his wideouts. Now, uh, Nuke did get a big catch right at the beginning of the first quarter, but he ended up hurting himself. He was kind of injured coming into this game. 
but he had a monster catch and then he came back in a couple times, caught a couple more balls, but he was, he was missing from a lot of series. So I, I'm not entirely sure what, what his injury was, but there's other wide receivers there, which one will be in my penalty box for this game. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, I was I, obviously I'm not a big Packers fan, but I do have Rodgers in two of my fantasy leagues, so I was happy enough that he was able to get some some points and some yards. And then well, you started him. Oh yeah, and then oddly enough, I was against Kyler Murray in two leagues, so oh. it kind of worked out for me this week that the Packers uh, beat the Cardinals and the defense did play uh, quite well to uh, to shut down Kyler. So yeah. I hate I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate the Packers, but it wasn't horrible this week. Yeah, I think Kyler. I don't even think he threw a touchdown pass. No, and he had uh, he had two two picks in that too as well. So uh, yeah, he did not have a good game, and he wasn't running either, which was weird. Like the Packers kept him in the pocket for the most part, but I thought there was a few times he could have ran. So I I don't know, maybe he's just trying not to take hits, and his arm has been working this year a lot. So maybe he's just trusting his arm, and in the end, he probably could have had it if the goofball learned to turn around. Um, so we'll get into our locks this week. <clears throat> Peter, get yeah. had uh, the Titans over the Colts. Yeah. How were how worried were you of this? Fucking Carson Wentz can't beat me twice in a, two weeks in a row. Can't happen. It's impossible. Well, so I was never worried. Uh, not once. Okay, because it went to OT, and the yeah, only reason it went to OT was because <laughs> it was because of Carson Wentz because he threw a, a really yeah, a really bad pick. And he, he like he was gonna get sacked for a safety, and he just kind of threw it up, and just intercepted and ran in for just a touchdown. take the safety, man. Just take the safety or throw it out of fucking out of bounds. Uh, <laughs> Probably still it, be a safety. It was no, I think he was still in the safety, pocket. Uh, if it's a safety, you'd lose the game in overtime. It was it, it wasn't overtime at this oh, point. Okay, All right. no, no, no. It was it was right before, and they went up. Uh, seven at that point in the end, near the end of the game, and then Wentz drove him down the field and got the touchdown, though. So, and then seven. What happened in overtime? Overtime, same thing happened again. <laughs> Threw a pick, and then uh, I forget who's their kicker. Who's your kicker? I don't know. He kicked a forty-five yard field goal, and they won thirty-four thirty-one. And then. I picked the Broncos over the football team. Uh, this one had me nervous. I really got to start looking at these beforehand instead of doing it on Thursday. Because there wasn't much to pick from, I thought, at least. But no, the Broncos. It was a tough week. For sure. yeah. The Broncos, uh, you guys said it pull, pulled it out and won. I think the, I don't, I didn't see what the final score was. Was 17, it 17, 17, 10? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was watching that game. Uh, it was not an easy game to watch. It was it was like the Monday nighter. It was just boring. <laughs> yeah, fucking Broncos fucked me last week, and like, they pull it out for you. And like I said, it was a really tough week for picks this week, but we all fucking pulled out Ws. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think mine was the closest. That big to different. Oh, I guess yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you should have challenged them, man. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Oh, shit. So, Kev took the 49ers over the Bears. Garoppolo leads the way as the 49ers beat the Bears 33-22. to 
Uh, this game was uh, really good. I really wanted the Bears to win. Me too. One, well, I guess Kevin's really no threat here. That he just got the five hundred, but. Uh, you never know a couple bad weeks and it could all fucking turn around yeah you're right but i'm just being a dick yeah um but i also don't like 49ers so but uh your boy justin fields had a 100 yard game rushing and i don't know if you saw this but the one fourth down play Fourth and one, you run for like one. 20 yards and touchdown. He juked out the entire team yeah. and then ran to the side where all his blockers were and let him right in the end zone. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice play for sure. Yeah, it was it was impressive. Definitely going to be top 10 highlight there, I think. Hope so. Hopefully there'll be a few more of those. <laughs> and then Yosh took the Seattle Seahawks against Jacksonville Jaguars and Seattle stomped. The Jags 31 to 7. So last week may have been a, or was it last week? It was two weeks ago. Might have been a fluke for the Jags as they beat Miami and then lose to Geno Smith, who has been pretty bad up until today. So again, another stupid NFC West win. But I mean, I mean, we all know that Josh didn't pick the Seahawks to win. He picked the Jaguars to win. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah, was ballsy though, like for for how bad Geno Smith has been playing. Good faith. He's getting the job done. It's the Jaguars, man. Doesn't matter who the other team. <laughs> Unless you're Miami, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, there's a few teams that you you consistently can go against and do fine. You know, like. A few years ago, the Browns were that team. The Jets have been that team for as long as I can remember. <laughs> so, Except when they play the Titans. Yeah, well, it's because the Titans. The ti- ti- Titans in uh, Cincinnati because they won today, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, some, they're beating some big teams. It's weird. They're playing their competition. <laughs> <laughs> they got smoked by the Patriots last week. <laughs> like, just absolutely embarrassed. Anyways, it brings our totals to Peter is at five and three. I am yep. six and two, leading the way. Ooh. Kev is, like I said, at 500, at four and four. And Yosh is at five and three with Pete. Yeah. So almost halfway through the season, as it's a 17 game schedule now. So next week we'll be half all or past the halfway. And we'll see if I'm still on top then. Pretty close race so far. Pretty close. Yeah. Yep. For now, until I start pulling away. <laughs> Not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> uh, you're losing the next three weeks. Don't worry about it. We're all going to conspire to make our picks like on fucking Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make you take Boston every fucking week. I don't like how you conspired to try and add 100 points on to Peter. Hey, if you don't show up to the show, we might do some, We might do you dirty. That's, that's just how it goes. All right, Pete, I'll remember that when you're good. <laughs> All righty, so we'll be talking about some more football here, heading into our MVP. 
This week's MVP is Cooper, two girls, one cup. <laughs> Cooper superstar cup. <laughs> <laughs> So at the end of week seven, he was leading the NFL in interceptions, receiving yards, touchdown receptions, targets, and first downs for a receiver. He had 59 receptions, 81 targets, 809 yards, nine touchdowns, and 37 first downs. Ooh, best receiver in the NFL. Ooh. Statistically. Statistically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> that challengeable? We toss challenger? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's challengeable if you can find find the stats. Then no, I mean, I mean before he said statistically. <laughs> oh, I see. That that's all opinionated at this point. Yeah, exactly. I can't challenge that. Uh, I could argue about it. Anyway, Cooper's eight hundred nine receiving yards is more than the Falcons, <laughs> the Saints, and the Bears. I really wish Cat uh, was on for this because. <laughs> Yosh knows he's he, his team's all about defense and everything like that. Like he's not, he just takes it off the chest, no problem. Kev would be pretty upset, I think. Well, Kev, Kev was also gonna change teams to the fucking Saints, That's too, right. so. <laughs> which we we totally couldn't do. You can't go from fucking <laughs> division to division. It just doesn't. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah, within within division, yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah. And the second team he wanted was the Raiders. <laughs> After yeah. all the terrible they've been. <laughs> yeah. Although they've rebounded pretty well. So yeah. and they have more receiving yards. <laughs> <laughs> so in week eight, he had seven receptions on nine targets for 115 yards and a touchdown. And with that, he becomes the first player in the Super Bowl era to record 900 plus receiving yards and 10 plus receiving touchdowns within the first eight games of a season. So, to statistically speaking, superstar, like I said, <laughs> he is having one hell of a year. Great start to the first half of this season. And Cooper Cup, you are our MVP for episode 40. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Actually, you know what? We were, we were going through to figure out who our MVP was going to be this year. One guy we never uh, even talked about was Jamar Chase, because he has the most uh, receiving yards for a rookie through the first seven weeks of all time so that was another guy we could have had in there but we gave jesse his uh his ram boy this week so yeah don't, don't expect we, it ever again we gotta give jesse one <laughs> gotta give him one i mean like we can continue doing this i have no problem like this team this offensive team is just gonna continue putting us out nah watch what it'll be like stafford soon or some shit like that <laughs> <laughs> Nah, he's gonna get hurt He's going to get hurt, and he won't have anything to do. The, the fucking Rams will be shit for the rest of the year. They got the best O-line in the game, bud. They have the least amount of uh, sacks, sacks allowed. Couldn't do fuck all with Jared Goff, man. So they lose Stafford, and they're fucked. If they do, but they ain't. <laughs> <laughs> but they ain't. <laughs> but the points and penalties MVP is a prestigious honor. And this okay. isn't prestigious. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that Stafford never, never makes the cut. Never. Oh shit. Yeah, but that could also be you guys fucking three votes against one conspiracy. <laughs> about it. We could have the best quarterback season, which could happen this year because of the 17th game, and you guys would be like, "No, he doesn't deserve it." <laughs> <laughs> if he deserves to get there, he'll get there. But, you know. 
conspiracy just to hate on me because <laughs> winning in the logs, winning in the points and penalties. Uh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> I'm just spitting out facts, bud. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump into the NBA. Uh, I want to start out with a big game. Uh, last weekend on the Sunday, I actually had uh, I put a little three-game parlay together, and of course, I lost in the first game, and then won the next two. And one of them was uh, uh, the Lakers and the Grizzly uh, playing on last Sunday. So John Morant, he's a really good fucking young player. If you don't know who he is, but he became the first Grizzly player ever to score forty points and ten assists in a game. And again, that was against the Lakers and their their old ass team. Well, this is a no, it's a big deal. Forty points, ten assists. That's uh, I don't care what team you're on. That's an impressive day. Oh, for sure. And he's he's a really good player. I really like Jaw. Yeah. Got also Jaw, Jaw, Jaw. And in the same game, LeBron shared the court with. Zaire Williams. Now you might say, "Who the fuck is Zaire Williams?" And yeah, who the fuck, fuck is Zaire Williams? About? Why the fuck are we talking about? So Zaire Williams was on LeBron's son's high school team just two years ago, and now Zaire has, you know, evidently skipped college, uh, or at least part of it, and he's now playing in the pros with the Grizzlies, and is sharing the court with LeBron. And LeBron said he looked over at Zaire a couple times during the game and he just shook his head and, you know, in the, in the inside of his head, he was just shaking his head. He's like, I can't believe that a kid that was playing on my son's high school team is sharing the court with me. We're on the same court playing ball together. And I just thought this was a pretty cool story that, uh, you know, LeBron is from a guy that came out from high school and he's, you know, we know that he's still been playing at a fairly high level. You know, and his his fucking kid's teammate is is playing across from now. So it's uh, it's, it's crazy as you as you get older and there, you know. I wonder if there's a potential for LeBron to play against his own son. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. I don't know where uh, where Bronny is uh, in his talent um, level. Well, he's talented. I don't know where he is in high school. Like, is he? grade 10 you know what i mean i don't know if he's a junior is he a oh i see what you're saying yeah it's because so it's if it is it too far apart because you know that lebron is going to try to play for a bunch more years but how many more years does lebron really have you know at, at least as a full-time starter he's gonna get in that tom brady diet or some shit yeah like that and, yeah i, I, I can see him braiding it for sure even if he's uh in a significantly diminished role mm-hmm. but still still around Derek Rose had said that uh, in an interview, he's like, "I'm trying to, I'm trying to Brady this shit." <laughs> and he wants to play for a long time too. So, <laughs> yeah. But if there's anything to smack you in the forehead and tell you that, hey, you might be getting old, it's when you start playing against your uh, your son's, I guess, teammates or or whatever they played mm-hmm. together. Yeah, he was shaking his head. He's like, "Damn, I'm old." Yep. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right, so Jalen Green, the number two pick overall in the 2020 or sorry, 2021 draft on Sunday night, the same Sunday night uh, as we've just been talking about, put up 30 points, including eight from 10 from beyond the arc. The eight three pointers is a Houston Rocket rookie record. 
which is pretty impressive uh, in itself. And then on Thursday night, Jalen Green and Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz became the first two players of Filipino descent to share the, the same court in an NBA game. It's a little bit of history there for uh, for Jalen and and Clarkson, who are both real rising stars. I guess Jalen's more of a rising rookie prospect type guy right now, but awesome nonetheless that we can get to the, this is the first time that two Filipino players have been on the court at the same time. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. crazy that he ate, hit eight triples. Yeah. Eight to 10. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Fuck yeah. 80% shooting American threes for a rookie. Damn. Yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be one of the reasons why he went number two overall. Right. Yeah. But Scotty's better. Hey, we'll get to the four and five pick in just a minute, okay? <laughs> Settle down, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Go sorry, in order, sorry, goddammit. Sorry, sorry. I get excited. I get a little over-enthusiastic sometimes. My bad. Carry on. I mean, I was going to say something, too, but I held my tongue. Just hold your horse's voice. Lo- longer than you. <laughs> so, Michael Jordan has been passed in a stat. Can you believe it? No. Well, he was. Zach Levine passed MJ for fourth most three-pointers made in Chicago Bulls history. So Jordan now sits uh, five overall with 555 made threes. Zach Levine, as we said, is now fourth with 561. And then you get the great Scottie Pippen at 664. And then a couple guys that I have no fucking clue who they are. Uh, ben Gordon at 770. And Kirk Henrich at 1049. That's a lot of fucking three-pointers for Henrich. Who is this guy? Yeah, I don't know. It said he played 13 seasons for the for the Bulls, so back in the day. Now, Zach has played uh, five seasons, so. He crushed MJ's. He well, wasn't yeah. a three-point shooter, though. He, yeah. No, he wasn't, but still, like, just absolutely destroyed him. Let's see where so, they are in points. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see. But cool, nonetheless, to say that you're better than uh, MJ at something, right? <laughs> Well, MJ, I got the most triples. <laughs> or, well, more triples well, than you. More than you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, we were talking about the Ball Brothers. Uh, I'm not sure if it was last week or the week before. And I couldn't come up with this guy's name because I don't know why. He's probably drunk. But anyway, so his name is Lonzo Ball. He's a Bulls player. He just uh, went to the Bulls this season. And so some notable accolades this year already. So he's the first player to have a triple-double without having a turnover since 1995, which he obviously did that this season. He has eight triple-doubles, which leads the 2017 draft class. 6.4 assists per game since being drafted. And 1.5 steals per game since being drafted, which both of those lead the 2017 draft class. He's only 24 years old. You know, maybe uh, maybe Lamar Ball was uh, not too far out to lunch when he's uh, he's touting these guys as high as he possibly can, his sons. But they're uh, they're pretty good, and we know that Lamelo Ball is really fucking good, rookie of the year last year. Lonzo's pretty good, and then they've got another. Uh, they're younger. I'm not sure if he's the youngest. I think Lamelo's the youngest, but there's another brother, uh, LiAngelo, and I'm pretty sure that the Hornets picked him up over the off season or signed him and so they've got uh, these three of these balls in the uh, in the pros and that's one ball too many yeah one ball too many yeah i never liked lavar like i never never knew him as as anything other than these guys father and as outspoken guy that just seemed like he was fucking out to fucking lunch but his kids can fucking ball tell you what he's definitely living through his kids yeah yeah for sure 
currently the Bulls are, I believe, five and one and first in the East. Tied, yeah. And they're, uh, I think they were surprising quite a few people, but they've got a, they got a good fucking team. That's a strong team, yeah. I, I mean, we were toting them to be pretty good. So, but again, it's, it's only been two weeks in the season. So, fair enough. I mean, when you see the four, the big four that they have, it, it makes sense that you think that they're going to be a good team and they've been able to gel so far. So it's, uh, it's good for them. And I've always kind of been a Bulls, Bulls fan, just kind of, it's just because of MJ. Yeah. Uh, everyone's a secret Bulls fan. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's, you know, especially I maybe wouldn't be so happy for them if DeMar wasn't there, but when you're, when you're a DeMar DeRozan fan too, uh, it helps out. So I, I'm liking uh, seeing that the Bulls are doing all right and hopefully they can carry on. Maybe the Raptors will be better. I hope I wish. <laughs> what more? Wish I wouldn't count on it, but like it all be pretty happy of how they, how Hey, they're only 1.5 games back right now. Only 1.5 <laughs> games back. <laughs> I also said it's two weeks into the season. Too. <laughs> uh, just before we get into our Raptors report, I'm sure you guys know JJ Redick. He recently retired. So he was on the old man and the three podcast. And he said the following, he said, here's my issue with the old timers. When they shit on us saying we couldn't play in their era. Most NBA players in today's era could play in any era of the NBA. Most NBA players from the 50s, 60s, and early 70s could not play in today's NBA. What are your thoughts? Do you guys agree or disagree? Kind of both. Like, it's it's so hard to compare eras because things have changed so much. Like, technology has changed so much. Like, in the 50s and 60s, those were the best basketball players if you had some fucking crazy machine and just pluck them and put them in today's game, yeah, they're not going to do very well. But if they grew up in this time and they had today's like fucking gym equipment and regimens and whatever, they're going to be fine. They're going to be able to play in today's game in my mind. Like it's, it's so hard to compare across eras because things have changed so much. It, it's it's almost not worth thinking about. Like, and players from now probably could play back in the day, but it would be different. I mean, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that the players today can play back then. I don't. I think that's pretty a pretty easy uh, thing to say there. You know, can could a Larry Bird play in today's game? Probably, of course. If yeah, if course. like you said, if he was growing up type thing, if he was just drafted, wasn't as plunked in at you know using the same skill level he had. You know, I mean, guys at that level are probably an exception. You probably yeah. could plunk fucking Larry Bird as he is into today's game, and he would be a hell of a player. He'd yeah. be a KD, is what he would be. Yeah, yeah, I would think he would be pretty good because he could shoot threes, and that's what now is all about, right? So, yeah. I I think he would be fine. I think a lot of other guys, like the superstars, then would would struggle because they're not used to shooting those threes, right? But like like Peter said, if you grew up in this time, yeah, maybe they would have gotten better at doing that. It's it, it's it's too tough to to differ between the two because they called a lot less fouls back then too, right? Whereas a lot of people go to the free throw line now. So it's uh-huh. like they they could have been playing a lot more injured too compared to now because there's a there's a lot of guys if you can't go 100% and run that up and down that court then you're not going to get as many minutes. Uh-huh. They probably didn't have a load management too much back in the day. <laughs> no, back in the day, you'd fucking drink beers and smoke cigarettes at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good time. <laughs> like it, it's completely fucking different. Yeah, it, it. I 
this whole thing with going with back to year, years of yesteryear, like it's it's tough to figure out who would play well when the game has changed from what it was, right? Mm-hmm. There's like you can say there's a lot more athletes now in the NBA compared to back then. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, like true athletes, like they can just do run and shoot, pass, and defend. Well, and everybody's in good shape. Back in the day, you could be just a tall, skinny motherfucker and you'd make a team, right? It would have oxygen on the side there for you. Yeah. Now it's not quite as easy to make a team just because you're a tall, skinny motherfucker. Yeah, to me, this is silly to try and bother with this. Yeah. But that's just that's just me, like, with what his opinion is, not of your question. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I'll just be quiet from now on. Your question is stupid. Just kidding. It's fine. Still being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Raptors report. As you said, Jess, week number two uh, in the NBA, Raps had four games. They were three and one. They got two dubs versus the Pacers, one at home, one uh, away. They got one dub versus Orlando, and they lost against the aforementioned Chicago Bulls, which I think we all figured was going to happen. Big week. Big yeah, week for the Raps. Big week. I, I think most of us, we predicted last week, I think we thought they were going to go two and two. Two and two, yeah. Do a loss versus the Bulls, and I think most of us said they would get one and one against the Pacers. A split, yeah. So And then a W versus the Magic. So nice to see they get the uh, the extra W there against the Pacers. They're four and three on the season, which makes them seventh in the East. They are uh, just below the Sixers and just above the Bucks. And Nets, which is kind of crazy to say. And the Hawks. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're still two weeks into it. It's nothing, you know. We should, but doesn't matter. We got to celebrate this because we don't know right. we're going to be in this position yeah, again. Yeah, we're in a playoff spot. Yeah. <laughs> and a regular playoff spot, not even a play-in. <laughs> oh, no, I guess the seventh is a play-in spot, isn't it? Technically, because the seven plays the ten or whatever it is, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's still thing. Is that happening this year, by the way? You know what? I'm not sure if it is. I hope not. I hope not. Jesse doesn't like it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I didn't mind it. A play-in for like what the MLB has would make more sense because not as many teams make the playoffs, but a lot of teams make the playoffs in the NBA. That's essentially what it is. Same as the MLB, just yeah, but there's less teams. I know. (laughs) Okay, I I I just I. The, the guys at the bottom in NBA don't usually do too much ever in uh, the playoffs. So on Tuesday's loss to Chicago, Freddie Van Bleed had a career-high 17 assists, and OG led all Raptor scorers with 22 points. Uh, still wasn't enough to get the job done against uh, DeMar and Lonzo and company, but it was all right. They made it close. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Wednesday's win over Indiana was the Raptors' first win in Toronto since February 23rd of 2020, which was a span of 612 days. And they sucked. Yeah, yeah way too long. But obviously uh, the pandemic was uh, the reason for that. And it's uh, it's nice to be have all our boys at home and uh, we're at 100% capacity now. So no, uh, no qualms there. The best thing about this was they... I think they kept Sabonis to under double-digit points. It might have been Wednesday's game, but in, in uh, Saturday's they didn't. No, Saturday's, no. He came, Obviously, they weren't going to be able to do that twice against him. But they still did a pretty good job. Like, he didn't, like, you know, he he did his usual thing, but he didn't he didn't go, like, superstar mode, at least, yeah. against them on uh, 
last night. Yeah, so OG and uh, Freddie Van Vliet led the way. They combined for 51 of the Raptors, 118 points on Wednesday. And the next highest guy was your boy, Scotty. Speaking of your yeah. boy, Scotty, he led the way in Thursday Thursday's win versus the Magic. Oh, this was a, a showdown between fellow rookie Jalen Suggs. Now, Suggs was picked fifth overall, and uh, Scotty Barnes was picked four. And, uh, I mean, lots of people, including myself, said that the Raps should have taken Suggs. I think we were all on that. I, yeah, I, the way that things have gone so far, Scotty Barnes has been fucking awesome. We look like idiots. <laughs> well, this is why we don't <laughs> yeah, have yeah, yeah, for sure. And other people do. They're smarter than we are when it comes to running NBA teams. So Scotty had 21 points, as did Suggs in that game. Barnes ended up having nine boards versus uh, Suggs two. So we're better. Scotty's better. Yep. And we got Way the better. W, so Scotty's better. Yep. Way better. I think this was like, because it was the battle of the four and five pick. Uh, this was Suggs' best game. So he really wanted to to beat the raps yeah and i i had turned it off at uh, i think it was like one, uh, 110 to 102 with not much time left i'm like oh they got this now and then i saw him come back i'm like oh shit that's in this back yeah, corner yeah. and then in saturday night's game your boy scotty led the way again versus indy he again had 21 points and 12 boards in the victory and this is barn's second 20 point 10 board game this season and no other rookie even has one such game like that this season. And that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And once again, your boy Scotty is he's your boy. Yeah, he's firing on all cylinders and he's he's our best against the board. He like he's getting all the a bunch of offensive boards as well, too. So he's I heard something that he like when he shoots, he runs up as well right away after he shoots to try and grab the rebound if he misses. But his uh his field goal percentage is actually I think the best on the team. Right, he's been playing really well, and he's been uh, a great addition. He's scoring, you know, quite a few points. There's three, I think, three games this week. He put up 20 points. So, without those 20 points, who's putting them up? You know, on the wraps. OG and Fleet yeah, sure, Freddie's. Yeah, sure, those guys are going to put those some some numbers up. But you know, but you've got OG, Freddie. How are you going to put in your boy Scotty? And then once uh, Siakam comes back. You throw in Boucher, sure they're not a big four like uh, big three or big four like like LA or the Nets or uh, or even the Chicago, but man, they're not they're not looking horrible with the with the you know potential talent level that they can put together if they can gel. And I'm not saying that they're going to win anything uh, just yet, but so who's your when when Spicy P comes back? Who's your starting five? That's a good question. They got a lot of decent bench guys too, and it's 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 wild like. Yeah, Obviously, I, mean, I, I don't want to put Scotty yeah. on the bench at all, but like I just yeah, it's it is tough because you got Gary Trent Jr. Yep, uh, you know, Precious hasn't been too shabby either. And mm. Boucher, Boucher is uh I believe he's back now. He's still playing off the bench, so I don't think he's starting. And that's where he was most of the time last year, so and he was pretty good off of that, so you might as well just keep him there. But but yeah, like when Spicy P comes oh, back. You, sorry, I mispronounced his name. It's Boucher. <laughs> Sorry, my, my bad, my bad, boys. <laughs> but when he comes back, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how Nick Nurse puts the starting lineup together. Yeah, for sure. I'm not even sure where, which way you go with it. Like it's like you said, there's so many. Do you roll without a center, or do you just put OG as center? <laughs> I mean, maybe you roll with OG as a center. No, but... I don't think you go OG at center. Who do you go at, at OG or who do you go at center then? 
I mean, you're either going Precious. You, you got Ken Birch off the bench yeah. and Precious, yeah. But, and Boucher. But, but you're guess. still going to have to put someone on the bench probably. Like, like. Yeah. But I think you'd sort of do a platoon of your, like your forwards, like your power forward, your small forward, and a bench is Scotty, OG, and Siakam. Mm-hmm. You got those three guys playing those two positions, I think. It's it's gonna be tough for sure. I, I and like if someone's playing like shit, you're gonna get angry at them and tell them to get the hell out of there. And like like I said, yeah. like I don't, I honestly don't know if we just don't play with a, like because obviously those guys aren't centers, but I just don't know what else to do because I don't think Precious is that hot to tell you the truth. But yeah, like if if this team fucking actually starts to continue on this path and win some games. Like, you got to think the number one ad you're looking to do out this team is a good center. It has been for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, there seems to be enough bench presence, too. That that's It's lots of bait for a potential uh, center trade. Like, not that I want to see a guy like Cambridge go somewhere, but he's, he's younger. And if you could maybe get a more veteran guy that maybe could help you out a little bit more. Well, it's hard to say, right? And who knows? Maybe they, they play a lot yeah. of small ball, so maybe maybe they just go small. That's what I was thinking. You know, like, like yeah. uh, he got just start running up and down the court with all those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I would do that this season because they're they're not winning a championship uh, this it's season. A fucking, there's a there's a unicorn in the building or something. Yeah. No. So I I would just roll with what they have this season. Play mostly small ball. Let the boys grow. And then I would try and land a center in the offseason. Or or even at the deadline. That's what Peter would potentially, do. right? No, no, I, I wouldn't know. do it at the deadline. Because Peter doesn't have any faith in the rest of this team for this year. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's true. I don't expect even if you add a, a big name center at the deadline, I don't think this team is winning a championship. No, but if you can potentially get somebody a little cheaper because it's at the deadline, you know, especially if he's I mean, I guess if he's a free agent, then you're kind of screwed at the end unless you can do a sign and trade. But yeah, like I, I think, I think generally speaking, you're going to get someone cheaper in the offseason than you are at the deadline. If you're if you're pushing for a for a, a playoff spot, there you're, the price is definitely going to be higher. But if if you're not, well, yeah, you're just like, well, let's see if we can do a sign and trade type thing or lock this guy up long term after you trade for him, then. You know, maybe you do get a discount there, but that's obviously hard to say. But somebody always thinks that they're on a playoff push, even if they're not. And they're going to overpay at the deadline. Fair enough. Always. Always happens. If I were the Raps, I would not do that during this season. So that kind of rolls into my next next question was, what what do you think the expectations for the Raps are? So, Pete, you're saying no chance they win anything, which I think we're all on the same page there. Do you think they make the playoffs? I think if they make the playoffs, it's a good season. And making the playoffs even at number 10? Like if there is a play-in? Yeah. What the fuck? You make the playoffs, you made the playoffs. It doesn't matter what Jesse says, but no, I just said I don't I don't care for it. I that's all I, I, I think of that. I just don't care for the play-in, but that's just my opinion of it. If they make it in through that, that's a good job. But I for them making the playoffs, like I don't know what the hell the wizards are doing. Like how I don't know how they're doing as well as they are. I mean but again. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll see those uh, the big names, the big teams will start creeping up there, and then those uh, those surprise teams will start falling down. Like Washington, like you said, they shouldn't be up there. Like they got Bradley Beal 
I think that's about it. I think they got Kuzma. Oh, they do have Kuz, yes, after the uh, Westbrook trade. So, like, they're doing pretty good, but it's, I don't see that as sustainable. And maybe they get in at that, that 9-10 or whatever it is, stupid play-in thing, but I don't think they're going very far. I'm, I'm with Peter. I don't think they're winning a, a championship this oh, year. Oh, they're definitely too, not winning a they're, championship. There's way, the same page there. way too many good teams in the hot take, in the hot take. here. <laughs> So I think that they're going to squeak into a playoff spot. I'm even going to go as far as saying if it's a play-in game, they win the play-in game, but then they don't. That's that's it. They don't. They pass the first round. <laughs> they uh, yeah, they won't win the round. round the next round. So that's what I think. Uh, I hope they do better than that, just because that'd be great and it's better for cheering and and whatnot. Obviously, the worse you do, the better it is for your lottery chances. But uh, I don't think that they're going to be bad enough to get a lottery spot. Yeah, any anything of a playoff berth of any sort to play in or not, I I think is is better than what I had anticipated before the season had started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the goal for the season: mm-hmm. make the playoffs. For sure, that's the goal. And I mean, I I think I think Scotty is going to be a he's going to be a long term Raptor here. I think everybody's going to really start to fall in love with him a little bit more and more. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he uh, plays well and. I mean, I'm sure at some point they'll give him a giant contract, if, if you know, assuming he does play well, and maybe he can be the next, you know, the next Lowry type thing, long-term guy that uh, you know ends up being one of the one of the best Raptors of all time. That would be that would be sweet out of this number four pick, where everybody said that Jalen Suggs should have been the man. So, and that's going to be something too that we're I know we're going to watch for the next five years. Like, who's better this year, Suggs or or Scotty? You know, and it's it's going to be back and forth because. Oh yeah, I said everybody said Sug, 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 yeah. Sug, Sug is the guy. I didn't even hear about Scotty Barnes. Like I had no idea about him. And then they pick him. I'm like, who the fuck? <laughs> like, never, exactly. never. <laughs> Time will tell. But to be fair, I think guys like us pretty much only watch March Madness and NBA basketball or um, NCAA basketball. Yeah, and pretty much yeah. nothing else. <laughs> I think uh, Jalen Suggs and. Scotty Barnes were on like a US team yeah. of under certain age or something. Yeah, like they were. That. They're actually good, good, you know, our hot decent mm-hmm. friends type thing. So I think they play Orlando in the next couple of, in the next week or so too as well. So we'll be at it yes. again, I think. <laughs> For sure. See, see who gets the better of each other in that one. Hopefully it's Scotty. It's definitely gonna be Scotty. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for uh, the old basketball, the old hard court. What do we got on the ice beat? Well, it's a heavy week in the NHL this week. There's been a nuclear bomb set off in, in the NHL in regards to a sexual assault uh, that happened in 2010 with the Blackhawks. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. So in 2010, we know now that Kyle Beach was sexually assaulted by then video coach with the Blackhawks, Brad Aldridge. This was during the third round of the 2010 playoffs which the Chicago Blackhawks ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So on Tuesday, a Jenner and Block report was released. Uh, Jenner and Block was hired by the Blackhawks to investigate this incident. And uh, the report showed that after the assault of, at that time, it was released as John Doe, we now know to be Kyle Beach. So after that, it had been reported, several members of the Blackhawks senior management met to discuss the issue and essentially swept it under the rug. They didn't want to disrupt the playoff 
run that they were on in the third round of the playoffs. This was Chicago's first of their three Stanley Cups recently. They had a leafy-like amount of time where they had not won a cup. It was since 61, I think, since they won their last cup. So they were completely focused on winning the cup and did not want to raise this issue. So they swept it under the rug. The senior management here includes Dan Bowman, Joel Quenville, and then assistant GM Kevin Chevaldeoff. So Aldrich was allowed to remain with the team through the rest of the cup run. He got himself a Stanley Cup ring. He got his name etched on the Stanley Cup. That's fucked. He even got a day with the cup in his hometown. This was all after the team was aware that he had sexually assaulted one of the players. The Blackhawks owner has since uh, just recently requested that his name be removed from the cup, which I think sounds like it's going to happen. So they're going to be crossing his name off of the Stanley Cup. So he will no longer be etched in, in metal on the Stanley Cup. They'll have to replace an entire ring on the cup. I think they'll just uh, exit out. Oh, really? Oh, that's even Thanks. worse than not having your name on there. Like having it stroked out is even worse. Yeah. And I mean, for good reason. That's the right thing to do, though, because then you, like, every time you look at it, you say, oh, that's... Yeah, yeah. there's a blemish on that. Yeah. So he was given an option after the season ended, after the playoffs ended, to either resign from the team or to have the uh, incident investigated. And he chose to resign. Allegedly, we don't know if this is true or not, the Blackhawks provided a recommendation letter for him for his next employer. <laughs> if that's true, that's... a uh, big fucking mistake by whoever wrote that letter because they certainly would have known at that point what had happened i think he went to be a video coach at uh, usa hockey and then eventually onto a michigan high school where he ended up sexually assaulting a 16 year old boy uh, which he ended up going to jail for and that could have been prevented had the blackhawks handled this better wednesday in an interview with Rick Westhead, the day after this report was issued by Jenner and Block, Kyle Beach revealed himself to be John Doe, the victim of sexual assault. If you haven't listened to this interview, you should. It's on TSN. I think it's like a half an hour long or something. And it's it's a bit hard to listen to. They get deep into, into a lot of how this affected Kyle Beach. And it's, it's not easy to listen to. He was formerly the 11th overall pick of the Blackhawks. Uh, but he never lived up to his potential after this incident happened. He was 20 years old when this happened, and it never cracked the NHL yet. He was on uh, the Black Aces, which are essentially a call-up in the playoffs from the minor leagues for the Blackhawks. That are they sort of, they practice and skate with the Blackhawks, but they're there if, if there's a lot of injuries that happen. And so he never he never really made it into the NHL. He currently plays hockey in Germany. Rick Westhead was one of the journalists that were pushing for answers to the story for a long time. So that's why he's the one that's interviewing Kyle Beach. The two have gotten to know each other uh, very well. And so since this report was made public, Stan Bowman has resigned as the GM of the Blackhawks and of GM as the GM of USA Hockey for the upcoming Olympics. Joel Quenville met with Gary Bettman, and following that meeting, he resigned. Uh, I understand that both Quenville and Bowman will have to get approval from Bettman to ever take another NHL job again. And Cheval Dayoff, after meeting with Bettman, was allowed to maintain his position as the GM of the uh, Winnipeg Jets. A lot of that was to do with, at the time of 
at this meeting that happened to discuss this following the incident. He was an assistant GM. I think he was in charge of like managing the salary cap basically at that point. And so he was the lowest ranking person at this meeting. So I think that weighed heavily on Bettman's decision to not force his resignation here. And I think rightfully so. He, uh, as an assistant GM in that meeting, you know, you're there as more or less a witness of the meeting. That meeting is happening between other people and you expect other people to deal with the follow-up of that meeting. So he was aware, which I think he lied about after that, not being aware of this. It turns out he was, but I don't think it was necessarily on him to be the one to do something about it. He counted on others to do that, which they did not. Uh, the NHLPA was also informed of this incident at the time and did nothing to protect the player. So there's a meeting, uh, I believe, that's going to happen between Kyle Beach and Don Fear, the head of the NHLPA. This does not look good on the NHLPA. If the NHLPA is there to do anything, it's to protect the players in the NHL, which when this happened, they did not do for Kyle Beach. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if Don Fear is not the head of the NHLPA in the coming, uh, in the near future. Yeah, it's definitely a black mark on the union. I mean, as obviously as well as the Blackhawk organization as a whole, but definitely for the uh, NHLPA, like you said, Pete, their whole purpose is to protect the player in all aspects of the game. And this is one yeah. of it uh, that they didn't do anything. And it's, that's ridiculous. The whole thing is crazy. It just how, like you said, I was swept under the rug. Nobody really did anything. And we're, you know, we're 11 years later and, you know, we're only getting all the information now. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just wild, this whole situation. And, you know, obviously you got to feel for Kyle Beach because he's the, the unfortunate victim in this. You know, we talked a little bit about before, like you can, you can ask, like, how is this, how is this even possible? With, you know, he's a grown man. And I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Obviously it can happen, but it just seems kind of, you just wouldn't think that this was what happened in in pros. You, I can see this in the minors. I can see this in little league, but in the pros, you just wouldn't think that this would happen. And it just blows my mind that it does and or or did, and that nothing was done. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I guess when you look at it, when you're thinking about when you're the GM and whatnot, and you're in your this cup run, you don't want anything to fuck up that cup run. You don't want anything to fuck up your own momentum. So. Although I don't think it was right, I can understand why they wanted to brush it under the rug so that it didn't affect their their run. But this is definitely something that, that needs to be brought to attention right away. And and again, I mean, had it been and had somebody did something about it, like yeah, you like you had mentioned, Pete, the high, Michigan high schooler would have likely never been assaulted. And uh, and we, you know, there's another kid that had to deal with with some of that bullshit and and. Uh, you know, that, that might not have never happened and that's the way it should have been. It should have never happened. So, uh, so yeah. for the Blackhawks and the uh, NHLPA to do nothing here just blows my mind. And, and it's just, it blows my mind even more that we're 10 years later and just getting all the details. Now. Well, that's the thing. Like yeah. you said, you know, as you can see, like you're in a cup run and everything like that. The climate was different back then, right? Like now when this shit goes down, like they're not sweeping this stuff under the rug for them at all, at least be because of how no. much assault goes around and it's brought to the forefront of everybody. So then I can, like, like you said, the client was different. They're going for a cup, but still like 
it's still pretty messed up for they said they could stay on like there'd be i get like if you force them to resign or whatever it was there'd be a lot of questions behind it but you can just say no comment at that point but it's still it's terrible for the kids terrible for that 16 year old kid that it continued on after the recommendation yeah, that's that's yeah. that might even be the worst part is that he was recommended for another job. Yeah, but you don't know who you know? did the recommendation and if he even knew about any of this. But that's you, p- everybody talks, so uh, you can take it yeah. with a grain of salt at that point. It, it, it's still weird to see a recommendation. Yeah, and it's it, like he's just a video coach. Like to me, if you, if this happens, you just fucking immediately smoke the guy. Firearm and say he sexually assaulted one of our players. We're investigating. He's fired immediately, and that's that. The organization doesn't look bad. Yeah, hundred percent. But because they swept us under the rug, you can say that though. But like I said, like the climate's different. Like, do you want all that negative press right then and there when you're trying to go for a Stanley Cup? I'm not saying what they did is right, but and I, I agree what you're saying now. But it's it's terrible that this happened, and, and I agree. Like. He's just a video coach. Like, what? You can't get another guy to hold the camera? Yeah, no, sure. Push a, tri- play. a fucking yeah, for sure. tripod can yeah, do that. Push play. That's what he does. He, he pushes play. He doesn't even hold the yeah, camera. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, uh, they should have just axed this guy right away, threw him onto the bus because that's where he deserves to be. And yeah. and then they could have moved on right away. Like, obviously, there would have had to be an investigation and all that, but at least it would have been done. Like you said, Pete, the Blackhawks wouldn't have a black spot at this point because it would have been you know it's this guy we didn't do it it was him we got rid of him but by them sweeping it under the rug shows that they cared more about winning than than about a human and that's yeah. what it comes down to it this game is still about the people and the players and the players are the most important part and you need to protect them left right and center and i thought i, I think i said it earlier like yeah. the nhlpa needs to they need better representation earlier in the season but i can't quite pick the the time when i said that or what it was about but clearly after this <laughs> it was about the salary cap and now well, after this paid. they definitely don't get paid enough i told you then and i'll tell you again it's not because of the pa it's because of their okay but this enough. this what about this case then what can you say about <laughs> this is different if the nhlpa is there to do anything other than just collect a paycheck it should be to fucking defend the players that are in the union, and they didn't. Do That's that. the whole point of they a fucking to union. Like exactly. work together as one, right? Your dues are fucking just nothing. They're not just there to fucking negotiate a deal with the owners. You got to look after the players. That's your job. Anyway, the next game the Blackhawks played after this uh, report was issued, and Cal Beach identified himself was against the Leafs. And perhaps for the first time ever, the whole hockey world, at least the bulk of it, was cheering for the Leafs to win a game. Or at least for the Hawks to lose the game. And what happened? And they did. Uh, so let's get off this heavy stuff and get into the Leafs update. So the Leafs are now 4-4-1 on the season. Good for nine points, which is tied for third in the Atlantic with the Red Wings. They're 2-1-0 on the week. They started off on Monday night with a 4-1 loss to Carolina. Spreadies revenge game. Marner took a wicked high stick uh, behind the net in this game. Knocked out at least one tooth. He had a beautiful smile afterwards. <laughs> but he stayed in the game, kept playing. But that was a rough high stick and no call on the play because it was a follow-through on a clearing attempt. Yeah, they didn't play well in that game, that's for sure. 
No. No, it was not a great game. Carolina's off to a hell of a start as well. On to Wednesday night against the Blackhawks. Uh, so they went down 2-0 early in this game, continuing the play like they had in the Carolina game. But between periods, they seemed to actually wake up a little bit, and they were able to come back and win that game 3-2 in overtime. And then Saturday night against Detroit, they put up a 5-4 win, and Marner, Mitch Marner finally scores a goal, ending a 16-game goal-scoring drought, going back to including the playoffs last year. Shed the monkey. It's nice to see him finally get that off his back. And it was not a beautiful goal by any stretch. I don't know if you guys saw it. Sloppy, slap it in, and that was it. A little, a little quick little steal off the defenseman in the corner, trying to uh, make an ill-advised pass out through the slot. Marner cleverly picked it off and slid it into the empty net because the goalie was not tending the goal. He was behind the net trying to make a play on the puck and had not got back in time. So Justin Hall was a scratch in that game, a healthy scratch. Pairings were Riley Dermott, Muzzin Brody, and Lilligren Sandine. Now, if you guys remember back in the summer, the Leafs chose to protect Hall in the expansion draft, which led to them exposing, I think, Jared McCann and Alexander Kerfoot, who they could have protected both of them if they had exposed Hall uh, because of the way the uh, exposure classes work. And Jared McCann, who was selected and is now in the Seattle Kraken, he's off to a real hot start. He's got three goals, four assists in eight games, nearly a point per game, and Hall is a healthy scratch. <laughs> really fucked up. Well, I mean, Hall's yeah. still a young player. What is he? This is his second year? Like, is he still classified as a rookie? No, he's not a rookie, and he's not that young either. I think he's he might be 28. He's 27, 28, something like that. He's uh, sort of an older older rookie he was. But hopefully this, uh, this wakes him up. We know from last year that he can be a, a good defenseman. He just hasn't had it this year, so hopefully he gets gets his mind right. And if anything, you have good defensive depth. You have potentially seven guys who can play NHL minutes in six spots. So it's a good problem to have, but it's just frustrating that that you kept the guy in expansion and and he gave up his lighting it up in Seattle. Yeah, I think they'll be all right, but just give it some time, and Paul will. Uh, I think he's gonna end up being what everybody expected him to be. So I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah. If anything, you know, hopefully he's got some value and they might make a trade to get rid of them. Because the the pairing they went with in Detroit, uh, they look good. You know, Riley and Dermott, Dermott's typically been a third pairing guy. He hasn't had a lot of exposure on the first pair. But putting him up there with Riley, he played well. Uh, moving Brody down with Muzzin worked well. That can be your proper shutdown pair. And the kid pair with Lilligan and Sandine, they looked really good. They had their, for sure, Lilligan, probably his best NHL game on, on Saturday against Detroit. And Sandine's looking uh, like he's, for sure, full-time NHL player. He's looking real good. So I don't, I don't mind the defense like this. So if it makes sense to move Hall or keep him as, as depth, either way, it's a good problem to have. But aren't they missing the offense from McCann? Well, you'd like to think that their uh, core four forwards that make, I think, about half their salary cap in Marner, Matthews, and Tavares, and Nylander should be able to carry the load of the offense, you would think. But are they? You'd like to hope anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's up in the air. In between. (laughs) Tavares had a real good game on Saturday night. Marner got the monkey off his back. Hopefully this is uh, a step in the right direction. 
again, most uh, we're still early. I mean, like, I just seen a couple of losses and they've been by big. So I'm just saying, where's the scoring? They have been, for lack of a better word, shit. To <laughs> okay. Just, just wanted to hear it. Just That's all. Okay, go continue. But the scoring is there. We know it's there. Matthews won the Richard last year. Most goals in the league. Marner was top five in scoring last year. Tavares has been great since he got here and is a superstar. And Nylander has probably been the best of the four in uh, in the playoffs and, and the early part of this season. So I'm not that worried. They've started cold. I trust they're going to get it together. Yeah, I, was, I did see the Nylander goal. Oh, OT goal. Oh, yeah. Silky. Silky smooth. So a lot of Leaf fans have been worried that – Morgan Riley was going to be walking away as an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So he's been involved as, as a trade piece in lots of rumors, uh, just for the fact that he was expiring at the end of the year. We don't want to lose him for nothing. But that's not a concern anymore, because this week he signed a eight-year extension worth $60 million bucks. That's $7.5 million per year. So Morgan Riley will be a Leaf for a long time. Buy your jerseys now. They're they're never never better than now. He, he got it for eight years. <laughs> yeah. Eight more. And he's already been, he's, I'm pretty sure he's the longest serving Leaf right now. And realistically, if he, if he continues to play well all through this extension and maybe he re-ups again at the end of this, he'll be 35 at the end of it. Uh, maybe he gets a few more seasons in. There's a good chance that he might take over some of the all-time records for the Leafs defenseman in terms of scoring. He's got a long way to go still. We're not uh, we're not anywhere near getting there, but the way he's been playing, he's a good offensive player, and if he plays basically his entire career in Toronto, there's a very real possibility that that happens. So, would you say this is a good signing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, isn't he kind of old though for your liking? You seem to be harping on these eight year deals most of the time, and then the Toronto Leafs give them out, and and it's okay now. They're there's always risk with term on a deal like this. He's twenty. He's he's twenty-seven. It's an eight-year deal, so he'll be thirty-five when it expires. But isn't seven point five pretty high amount? Like for for what deals are going for defensive guys this offseason? It's it's right on par for sure. Well, frankly, I, I think it's a bit of a discount. Like is some of the guys that have signed deals this year have been eight or nine million bucks easy. Well, this isn't far off eight. Eight million. <laughs> halfway to seven. How many years has Morgan played for the Leafs already? A good, like a lot. He, I'm, I want to say like fucking six, at least. Just got to pull up here. 2013-2014 was his first year with the Leafs. So this is the eighth year. Okay, seven or eight, yeah. Ninth, actually. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ninth season. So, ninth season, he has 310 points, and the number one defensive player point-wise is uh, Salming with 768, and he's got about half as many games. So, yeah, he needs to play the same amount another nine years at the same production, and he'll be at 620, which will be good for second place. Yeah, maybe if he re-ups again after, then he could do it. He's in his prime now, too, right? So, it those first nine years would have included his early years yep. when he's getting his bearings, whatever. 
100%. I don't have his stats year by year, but I assume that they were uh, lesser when he started and sort of peaked around now. He obviously had the pandemic shortened seasons to deal with, which might affect his totals. But yeah, I could definitely see it happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, actually. I mean, he definitely passes Jim McKenney for fifth in points this year. That's only another 17 points, so that's an easy one. So he's top five after this year? He's top five in, like, the next 15 games. Is Thomas Caberlet on that list? Caberlet is number two. He has 520 points. There you go. Tim Horton is number three at 458. Ian Turnbull is four at 414. And uh, like I said, Jim McKenney is 327 at number five. Just underneath Morgan Riley, Brian McCabe, Todd No Skill Gill, Ally Afraidy, <laughs> and Jake Gardner. He must have had some skill if he got, uh, what is he, seven, eight ton points? Who's that? Morgan? No, Todd Oh, Gill. eighth, eighth. <laughs> yeah. Todd No Skill Gill, bud. <laughs> 269 points in 639 games. I've always liked Morgan. I think this is a really good signing. Jess, I was or I was wondering the same thing about, you know, when at the end of this contract is seven and a half million going to be too much money. If he keeps producing, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be, especially the way that some of these younger guys are uh, are getting their their contracts up there already. Like what a what a McCar stand uh, signed for? Wasn't it like eight and a half, nine million a year? Now, obviously he's yeah, know. obviously he's younger, but you know, there we've already we've been talking a lot over the offseason at the beginning of the season here that D men are demanding a lot more money nowadays. And I mean, he's not gonna go the whole eight years without re-upping. He'll be like five, six years and then he'll re-up if he's going to. No, you don't think? Doesn't no. You don't Hockey doesn't work like that. No, they should. <laughs> it should. You save some fucking cap space that way. <laughs> No, that doesn't work that way. In hockey, you play every single year of the contract. I would still try and extend him before the time is up. And maybe you could, especially if he's maybe dropping off a little bit, then maybe you can lower your salary cap a bit, right? You can't. I'm telling you, you can't. And this is why I said that this is garbage. (laughs) Like, you should be able to restructure a deal of some sort or or buy him out kind of thing like that, right? Where at a cheaper price or, or something. The only deal you can give Morgan Riley after this is in eight years when this deal is done. Nine, I guess, because he's on, a, on the term before this already. This is why NHL's teams struggle for so many years when they get stuck with yeah, these that's fucking dumb. dumb contracts. For sure. Yeah, you should definitely be able to re-up a guy earlier than his, year, his contracts. And and when Yosh is saying re-up, he's he's saying like extend him and then take whatever the, the remaining deal is and then average it out for the next couple of years. Just spread it out. Yeah, spread it out. Maybe give him a little bit more for the next, you know, so for the you know, say you do it at five years, so he's got three years left on it. They re-up him for a five more, you know, so it adds only two more years to the existing See, you know, see when you know sports but that I, actually I, I, know I hear what you boys, but this, it does not work. Salary <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> this is how it is. <laughs> Boo, what <NHL. laughs> No loopholes for salary cap. What is this? <laughs> yeah, except there's yeah. a fucking loophole for long term IR. Yeah. There's only one. LTIR. <laughs> Dumbest one, yeah. Yeah, which by the way, Kucherov is on LTI again. Nice. <laughs> but not for the full season. Oh, we'll see about that. Someone's going to hit him in the, yeah. the back of the yeah. leg <laughs> and he's going to be out for the remainder of the season. <laughs> Surgery went wrong. I'm out until day one. (laughs) So last bit of NHL news. The Leafs lose another player to waivers. 
you boys probably don't follow this too closely, but the Leafs have lost. I swear, it's like a dozen guys over the past couple of years off waivers. It's like there's a conspiracy with the rest of the teams in the league. Players go on waivers all the time for all kinds of teams. And they usually don't get claimed unless they're a Leaf. You know, kudos to the Leafs. They actually know what they're doing, and they're they're having guys, you know, play for them, whether it be in the A or whatever, but at least they've got some guys in their organization that uh, are half decent. And these other teams are saying, Oh fuck, we got a chance at a half decent guy here. Yep. Yep. Speaks to the depth of the team, but fuck, it's frustrating. That's two already this year. Adam Brooks and now Michael Amadio, both playing off waivers. Lost him for nothing. Now what's this guy's name that they claim? Michael Amadio. Amadio. Hmm. Do you know if he's like, Related to Madame Odio from the fucking Jeopardy uh, <laughs> superstar contestant in the last few few weeks. You know, I don't know, but I'm going to relatively confidently just go out there and say that there is no relation. No? Uh, <laughs> all right. I have no idea either, and I'm not willing to challenge after losing one point already. <laughs> What's going on? I thought there was like 100 points last game that was like given to Peter. That, and That was Kevin, man. That was Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, we need Kev back. We need Kev. <laughs> we also agreed we would only challenge Jesse from now on. Yeah. It's not going well so far. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are playing dirty. Hey, you, you, the crown weighs heavy, man. You're on top. Everyone's coming after you. So that's all I have for the Leafs. Jesse, why don't you tell us what's going on in the uh, CFL? All right. So in the Northern Football League, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders secured their playoff spot with a 19-14 victory over the Montreal Alouettes Saturday night under another rainstorm. Sounds Rookie. like a common thing in fucking football this past week. A lot of yeah, rain. Yeah, uh, well, it was moving across the country, so I don't it's know. moist. It's been really moist. <laughs> There's lots of people that aren't going to like that section. That, that, that <laughs> 10 seconds he just said, Peter. Moist. Peter, you just Moist. lost half our audience Moist. right there. <laughs> you might have gained Moist. half, too. Moist. <laughs> uh, rookie Dion Pielrini's two-point convert earned the Toronto Argonauts a stirring 31-29 overtime win over the BC Lions on Saturday afternoon. Yes. And Jeremiah Mussolini passed for 357 yards and three TDs as the Hamilton Tiger Cats clawed back over the 500 mark on the season with a 39-23 win over Edmonton Elks. Oh, I see what you did there. Tiger Cats clawed back. I, I got you. I got you. I mean, I didn't write it, but we can figure out who the puns guy is around between the four of us. <laughs> uh, Kadeem Carey had a rushing touchdown. Kumar Jordan had a receiving touchdown. And Renee Perez kicked a f- four field goals and leading the Calgary Stampeders to a 26-13 win. Boom. And we're getting our standings here. Back on top with a 7-4 record, which have also, which is the 
Argonauts, I hate how he puts these stupid symbols in. (laughs) 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 Come on, you don't know your CFL logos on my heart? Let's go. The only way I got that was the A on the front. (laughs) (laughs) They're the boat, man. It's a fucking boat. (laughs) Hey, man, you could have read this. (laughs) Hey, I'm not the football guy, man. That's true. That's true. I'm NFL American. Canadian is. Hey, you said it was the you said it was the North Football League. That's NFL. It's the same difference. Hey, man, I'm just trying to add to this. <laughs> trying to make it exciting instead of saying uh, crappy enough. football league. Here we go into this today. Oh fuck! How do we even have listeners? We don't know why you stay, but we love you all the same. Please don't leave us. <laughs> So the Argonauts clinched a playoff win here. <laughs> it says X means playoff berth. I'm not sure what that means. It's a clinch of playoff berth. Okay. It's stand, it's I, I thought it was to get the X. I, I agree with that, but I thought it was something that meant more. I don't know. <laughs> Tie Cats with a six and five record. The Alouettes are in third with the six and five record. So I'm guessing someone has the head to head on that. The Red Blacks are in dead last with two and ten record. They got another win, <laughs> <laughs> and they've been eliminated from the playoffs at this point. So we know everyone that made the playoffs. Yay! <laughs> 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 ah, good old CFL. And the Winnipeg Boo Bombers has not slipped from his spot with a ten and one record, which has clinched the division with a one. <laughs> Saskatchewan in second. I'm in the West there at seven and four, and has also clinched the playoff berth with an X. <laughs> but but everybody has now. Yeah, like everyone yeah. has an X. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or am I not understanding this right? No, I think you're right. Everybody, like this- all but one team make the playoffs. So everybody should really. Have and an we X. figured that figured that one out. So, X to the Stampeders at 6-6. Six and six, 500 gets them in the playoffs. I don't <laughs> see Lions. <laughs> well, just because he's not there, but we know that he, they made in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> BC Lions in fourth with 4-7. Four and seven, And then the Elks in the bottom of the division, 2-8. and eight. That's, a, that's a solid record going into the playoffs. <laughs> hey, it's playoff bound, right? It's playoff bound. <laughs> Jesus. So Ottawa is the only team that will not make the playoffs since they are the only one team. (laughs) I don't understand why the CFL has that many teams make the playoffs. Why don't you just go four teams, you know, two and two and be done with it. Just go right to a semi and then right to the finals and be done with it. Instead of having these extra games and only one team. Oh, just the shittiest team doesn't make it. Everybody else gets to play. That's just, that's dumb to me. What are you yeah. talking about, man? If I was on a two and eight team and making the playoffs, I'd be super stoked. I'd be yeah. like, postseason bound. And then you're going to play the <laughs> fucking Winnipeg Blue Bombers and you're going to get your ass handed to you. Like. Just don't. Hey, it's an appearance in the postseason. <laughs> oh, fuck. We, we got should, something. Uh, they should probably swap with like MLB. 
Maybe MLB needs a few more teams in the postseason. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the CFL needs a few less. Agreed. All right, so we got something new for other stuff here. We got the Beer Mild World Classic. So Tecumseh, Ontario native. Tecumseh? Okay, Tecumseh. Ontario native Corey Bellamore has broken his own world record and won the mile-long race in, is that four hours and 28 minutes? Uh, four minutes, 28 four seconds. Minutes. Four, four, okay. <laughs> I don't know how long it takes you to run a mile. <laughs> I mean, I'm in Canada. I don't I, I, don't, I don't understand. <laughs> That's fair. And if it's a world classic, like most people do metric at this point, like what the hell? <laughs> But it's a mile long run, so it's, it's they're just saying it's the mile. So the beer, the beer mile world classic has been around for the seventies. No, I think it <laughs> said it said uh, this was like the seventh. I think it said there was a seventh annual beer mile classic. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so how this goes is you run for a four lap race you your first start is you drink a beer chug a beer you chug a beer i mean you gotta do it quick i suppose it is a race you're not having a sip and putting it down having a whole conversation i mean some might nursing it along (laughs) they won't be nursing it they'll just have a good conversation with their running mate if you're doing that you're not playing for a championship i'll tell you that much (laughs) not playing for the Beer mile world class. No, here. you'd just be here for the beer if you were doing that. <laughs> so you drink, run a lap, have another drink. Run a lap, have another drink. Run a lap, and have another drink. <laughs> and run a lap. And you finish. And then he says, or someone's running down here for comparison, the standard mile world record is three minutes and 43 seconds by... Hitchman, some, some <laughs> Hitchman El Gerro of Monaco in 1999. He called Jaru. Okay. Yeah, I guess it would be Jaru. Monaco's French. Uh, Corey has been drinking beers for the Flying Monkeys Brewery. Nice. Yeah, we. Yeah. I thought that was something cool to add in there. We uh, we we feature those guys a lot on uh, on the old pod here, but. But this is when I saw this, this is fucking insane. I don't know how this yeah. guy drinks beer so quick and runs so fast. Like he's only 45 seconds or so off the world record, and this guy's chugging four fucking beers in between it. That's insane. It's I don't, crazy. It's crazy. And we looked we it had, up twice to we, make sure we, we had to right. triple check this because <laughs> I, I did not believe this. This seems insane. That the world record for a mile is three minutes and 43 seconds. But this guy ran the beer mile, which is a mile plus four beers, <laughs> in four minutes and 28 seconds. Yeah, like you said, Josh, in just over 45 seconds, it's longer. Yeah. That's crazy. So he's essentially running world record pace and then chugging four beers, each beer in 10 seconds yeah. to, to make that happen. That's crazy. Like this guy is a legit athlete and legit fucking beer chugger. It's definitely going to the beer Olympics. Yeah, for sure. 
don't know. This guy, this guy was my vote for MVP, but we we're overruled because we gave Jesse one. Yeah, because he's never getting out of the ramp. I mean, like this is pre- pretty <laughs> impressive. I, did, did, I'm not saying it is not impressive, but my boy's just been uh, the best receiver in the league this year. So, but this guy yeah. drinks beer and runs. And we, if, if he did this playing for the Rams, he definitely would have been the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be fucking losing his debt perception when he goes to catch the fucking ball. <laughs> Yeah, but he'd be faster than everybody else out there. Yeah. Yeah, this is crazy, man. Like, literally 45 seconds and four beers. And so I wonder how fast this guy legitimately is if he were to just run the mile without yeah. drinking beer. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Because, like, I mean, do you just decide, oh, you know what? I'm actually pretty fucking fast. Maybe I'll stop drinking beer and try and run a real race. I mean, not that the world beer class I mean, isn't. That sounds less fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it might be more lucrative. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, either way, if this is a little a fun way to uh to end the other stuff and it's something different that we had to throw in there this week. All right. So Peter, who do you got in your penalty box? Well, I'm glad you asked. My penalty box is the leading scorer of the Detroit Red Wings. So why is he in a penalty box, you might ask? Why is he in your penalty box, Pete? (laughs) Well, because in the game against the Leafs, which Detroit lost, he didn't play. Huh. So you're saying if he was playing, he might have beaten the Leafs. Maybe. (laughs) Although, with him not playing, Joe Valeno got called up for his first NHL action. And he was a fucking all-star in that game. The kid looks unreal. Um, so I don't know why he's not in the lineup full-time, but he might be going forward. Because Bertuzzi's he, in the lineup. You just said that. <laughs> you could have You could have both. Huh. Imagine that. Anyway, so Bertuzzi was not in the lineup because Bertuzzi, leading scorer of the Red Wings, is the only player in the NHL that is not vaccinated against COVID-19. The so he player, the only player. So he is not welcome to travel into Canada to play hockey games like all the rest of his teammates and everyone else in the league. So he had to stay stateside. So he's going to miss the game against Toronto, which he did. He's going to miss the game against Montreal and he's going to miss a practice before they come back into stateside and play against Boston. During that one single trip, which I'm sure there will be others as the season goes along, but in this one single trip, he's going to forfeit roughly $85,000 in salary for the time he's missed not being permitted to play with the team. Also, the team is saying, this is not our problem. Mr. Bertuzzi, you could have got yourself vaccinated. We're not going to pay for you to get to Boston. You're on your own there. So however you get there, that's up to you. We'll see you in Boston when we arrive. So he's paying for his own way. The team is basically not having anything to do with his uh, decisions. And he's forfeiting $85,000 in salary, and the team is missing their leading score. 
Yeah, the biggest thing here is that he's hurting his team. Yeah. Which is the same thing we've been talking about with all these unvaccinated goofs. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mr. Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, you're in my box because you're the only unvaccinated NHL player and you forfeited $85,000 of salary because of this one trip. You're going to forfeit a lot more as the season goes on. And I get that you're a millionaire. But between you and me, boys, I would take a whole lot of spooky vaccines from back alley dealers for $85,000. Hey, Pete, come get this vaccine, bro. (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. Here's $85,000 if you do. How bad could it be? Jab me. Jab me twice. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a vaccine. It's not going to hurt you. Anyway, you're in my box for being a dum-dum. Just go get yourself vaccinated, and you won't lose hundreds of thousands of dollars as the season goes on. Josh, who's in your box? Okay, so I've got PETA in my box. Me? Why? (laughs) Not PETA. PETA. (laughs) I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) PETA, as in the fucking animal people. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Carry on. Not not PETA, as in the podcast guy. (laughs) So PETA wants... They're in my box for wanting the MLB to change the name of the pitcher's bullpen. Peter says the name bullpen mocks the misery of sensitive animals. Basically, in farm terms, bullpen <laughs> refers to the area where bulls are kept before they're slaughtered. They suggested changing the name to the arm barn. Now, I don't mind the name arm barn, but I think PETA needs to focus on bigger animal rights issues than something, you know, than, than a, a term that was coined 144 years ago. This is uh, just ridiculous that they want to change this. They're like, it's not like a fucking cow said, you know what, Peter, that's fucking insulting to me. Like they're cows. Like they don't, they don't get to say yeah. that. I have, uh, I have two questions. Okay. Shoot. First, um, do bulls speak English and do they watch baseball? <laughs> uh, English, I'm not sure. Baseball, of course. <laughs> okay okay but as long as they don't speak or hear english it shouldn't be a problem i would think so uh question number two why is it called a bullpen anyway in baseball that's just always been what it's been but i don't know why that is so there's a few different uh thoughts of, of why it's called the bullpen um I'm just, I lost my spot here, but so the Cincinnati Inquirer is thought to have been the first to use it in 1877 in a uh, OP Kaler game recap. And so he had said that, uh, he said the bullpen of the Cincinnati grounds with its three for a quarter crowd has lost its usefulness. The bleacher boards uh, just north of the old pavilion now holds the cheap crowd, which comes in at the end of the first inning at a discount. So basically, Buddy just happened to call the bullpen the bullpen in 1877, and it stuck. Just for whatever reason, that's basically what I found on it. Uh, it's also noted that uh, the Durham, Durham Bulls tobacco ads were 
plastered all across stadium fences and the pitchers would warm up on the other side of these of these uh, advertisements so thus bullpen or the Durham Bulls tobacco but the term has also been synonymous with prisoner of war camps and stockades so you can see where there is some uh, bad connotations about this but it's a fucking place where they warm up like is that what you want to call it like a warm-up hole or like kev suggested i don't know if we were on air last week or not but he suggested a pitch and catch and i mean i wish kev was here so i could rip him that is a dumb fucking name pitch and catch piss and pitch and toss no it's a fucking bullpen that's what it is it's too bad Kev isn't here because he might have been around when they coined the term. <laughs> he could have given us the definition. I wouldn't have had to look it up. He would have just had it off the top of his head. So, like I said, I like arm barn. I think that's kind of fun, you know, where these guys are. Oh, they'll see someone else complaining about something about the barn later on. Like, oh, yeah. It's... Like, th- th- that's all they're getting back on is this social justice stuff, you know? Like, there is need for it, but sometimes they just go a little bit too far. Like, I guarantee you, if you ask, people on the street and do that family feud like 100 people survey i bet you people say where the pitcher warms up before he takes them out people would say bullpen instead of saying refers to the area where bulls are kept for slaughter kind of thing like that like yeah i never knew that at no. all i mean well, it kind of makes I, sense it's a pen for bulls but you know it just, but if you ask someone what a bullpen is they're gonna say where yeah. the pitcher warms up before they take them out for sure and I guarantee you, if you survey 100 bulls <laughs> and see if they're offended by the term bullpen or not, you'll you know. get 100 non-answers because they're bulls. Uh, you might get you, said, you said that a couple might speak English, so yeah. we, don't, we don't know. I mean, and if they don't, I mean, they'll definitely some talking say, bulls. they'll be like, no matter what. So, right, you know, right. And you, that's, that's up for interpretation, really. Number one answer on the board. It's <laughs> all right. So this is Peter. This is crazy. This is why you're my box. Is it's it's a fucking bullpen. Just leave it at that. Uh, but I do have I do have a question for you guys. Do you know what PETA stands for? Yeah. What does it stand for? It's people for ethnic treatment of animals. No, you're you're wrong. Jesse, you know what it means? I got no idea. No, it's. <laughs> Clearly, it's people eating tasty animals. Okay, <laughs> like what you did there. I like what you did there. <laughs> so, Peta, you're in my box. It's a fucking bullpen, not an arm barn. Although arm barn is kind of cool. <laughs> well, warming up in the arm barn. <laughs> I've already seen it coined in a few uh, news articles I've read. They say the bullpen, and in brackets, I put arm barn. Arm barn. Yeah. <laughs> already that yeah. fast. Uh, it's more it i think it's more of a joke yeah because like they're really stretching here like like you said there yosh like i think there's more issues that pdds go after like yeah we're all huge animal lovers and everything like this but i don't think people are focusing on the bulls and the and be ready to be slaughtered in their pens kind of thing you know for sure anyway that's why peter's in my box just That's who you got. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I hinted earlier. I got AJ Green there. So I was talking about on the Thursday night game. Arizona made a huge crucial stand on Thursday night against Green Bay. And 
actually there was a touchdown by Aaron Jones and it was overturned. Now it, I, I could see how it was overturned, but it, it was ruled a touchdown on the field. And I think there was enough evidence to overturn it, but it definitely made it more of a game if they overturned it. So the NFL is all about viewership. So I can see why they turned it over. <laughs> and they went down the field. Kyle Murray was dominating. And on a second and goal, threw it up to AJ. And if AJ just turned around, he could easily just grab this ball because he had his defender beat easily. But I don't know if he had a mishap in whatever Murray in the huddle because it looked like he was trying to block Douglas, who ended up keeping his eye on the ball and made a spectacular interception for Green Bay to win the game. And that's why AJ Green is in my box because he doesn't know how to turn around and catch the ball or remember the play from the huddle because <laughs> everyone else went looking for the ball. <laughs> so what it, I, it sailed right behind his head. What I heard is that there was an audible on this play. It was supposed to be a run, but he didn't hear the audible. And that's why he was trying to block and not trying to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. I didn't read anything like that. But and it was in Arizona too, but there was a ton of Packer fans there. So that's on Arizona, I think, for being seven and zero and allowing these Wisconsin goofs to come in and buy a bunch of tickets <laughs> because they they are having a great year, and you should not be allowing these guys to come in and make as much noise as being a visiting team. Talking See, I, I heard that it was that like like you said, Pete, there was an audible there, but uh AJ Green didn't understand because Kyler Murray was behind center and he's like, arm barn, arm barn. And he, <laughs> I had no idea what the fuck it meant. <laughs> oh shit. That's, That's good. good. That's good. That's good. I like that. I mean arm barn. It means you're gonna throw it. It's a throw, yeah. <laughs> If you had said bullpen, bullpen, it would have been fine. Well, that makes more sense for running the ball because you're a bull running over. All right. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was being woke as ever. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, so that's why AJ Green is my box. Peter, take us into the actual scores. <laughs> well, just one challenge today. You. Honey and Anderson's uh, first postseason was actually 2020. God damn it. Yeah. So Jesse picked up a point. The uh, reason Jesse said the actual scores is because uh, with him missing last week's episode, we tried to pull a little break on him and we added 10 to my score and took 10 off of Kevin's just to uh, put me in the lead. Just I believe you went along with this, Yosh. Just for the chuckles. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. It was a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was just shocked that you it, it wasn't put on you. <laughs> well, that's not believable. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we thought about that, but we figured that's you gave yourself like eleven points. That's not believable. <laughs> we gave ten extra to me and ten extra off ten. <laughs> I mean, like if you made it at least like you're like just behind me, not leading. Maybe I would have thought differently, but. That would have been less fun. 
and harder to remember. We added exactly 10 because it was easy enough to remember how to take it out. Anyway, so Jesse's plus one on this episode. Josh is minus one. That brings our season totals. Jesse is well away in the lead at plus 14. You bitch. <laughs> Peter's in second Not at plus week. five. Uh, Josh is third at minus 10. And Kev is bringing up the rear at a minus 18. What's the difference between minus 18 and minus 28 anyway? Who would notice? That wasn't the problem. It was definitely your score. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that it's super believable for Kev to lose 10 points in a game in a in a week in an episode? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like if you distributed between the two of you. Yeah, maybe we should have did that. <laughs> yeah, but that wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been insane. anyway. It's fine. So that's where we're at for the season. And that brings us back to how our drinks were. So why don't we start with Jesse? Jesse, how was your drink? My drink was pretty good. Went to the McKinney Brothers Brewery. It was the eight-man English Pale Ale. A solid 5.8. Beer, and it's right in my wheelhouse. I'm starting to go more to these uh, British beers. They're super tasty for my liking. I'm gonna continue grabbing more of these. Peter, how was your festive beer? It was very festive. My high baller pumpkin ale. Uh, as I treated myself, and like it says on the can, treat yourself. Uh, it was uh, it was festive. It was a bit pumpkiny. I won't uh, won't be getting it again. But that's just because the uh, pumpkin doesn't really do it for me. It wasn't a terrible beer. Not bad at all. Well, next year, I think so. yeah. Next year, I'll probably forget that I got it last year and get it again and say, "Oh, this is a new beer." And try it, and you know that's the way she goes. Josh, how was your festive beer since you got the idea that on Halloween we should get a festive beer? Looking at you, Jesse. Yeah, my... I wasn't told. <laughs> you shouldn't have to be told, what? <laughs> Very unaware. So my Great Lakes Brewing uh, pumpkin ale was... Uh, it was pumpkin It wasn't super pumpkin or anything, but uh, it was all right. I enjoyed it more and more I got into it, which is par for the course on uh, pretty much every beer I drink. You know, even if I like it right off the hop, by the time I'm finished it, I like it a little bit more. <laughs> like it even better. <laughs> yeah. So this is pretty good. Like I said, it's uh, festive. It's got a pumpkin on it. Kind of tastes, uh, like I said, pumpkin-y, a little bit like pumpkin spice, uh, pumpkin spice beer, basically. So I feel uh, a little bit basic, but uh, it's, uh, it's a fun, fun beer to do. And uh, actually, Kev was a little upset that he was uh, missed today's show because he also had a festive beer. Uh, so you know he got the fucking memo. But uh, I don't think his was pumpkin, but uh, I think his was uh, had a big. It just has skull. to be festive. That's yeah, fine. exactly. So, so basically, Jesse loses this week uh, minus yeah. three uh, just yeah. because. Yeah. That's, fair. That's fair. I mean, when you're at top, you get I, the I agree. You don't listen I, to the I people agree. below you that have memos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, beers were pretty good. 
whether you liked it or not, they got a nice little glow on for us. And uh, now, Justice, yours 8.5 or 5.8? Because at the beginning of the show, you said it was 8.5. And just there, you just said it was 5.8. So which one? Well, I messed up at the beginning then. It's 5.8. It's oh, son of a bitch. Oh, you're at minus seven. Penalty points. <laughs> you're in the penalty box. You're in the penalty box. Justice <laughs> in the box next week for sure. Yeah, this whole time I was thinking like Jesse's bringing the heat today. Yeah, he's yeah. being a champ. I mean, he still brought the heat because he still beat us both, but not by as much as we thought. I thought I said 5.8. I think no, that was going you over. definitely said 8.5. 8.5. Challenge! That's why I said you were bringing the heat. <laughs> oh, shit. So, I mean, you're still... I just thought it was because you're a bitch beer, so that, that's why you're saying <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. All I mean, right. I'm dyslexic, so I always fucking mess that shit up. <laughs> uh, you just cheat like the fucking Astros, that's all. Oh, yeah. I'm the cheater in between all of us, eh, Peter? Yep. The plus 11 or 10. <laughs> Saying you got an 8.5 when it's a 5.8. Oh, Cheating oh, oh. bastard. Fucking guy. Okay, so for everyone here at Points of Penalties, would like to thank you for listening. We'd also like to wish you a happy Halloween. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay, stay out, out of the, the penalty, penalty box. box.